Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 40-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. When it comes to success in network marketing, who better to learn from than leaders who have actually done it? Listen as Richard interviews top leaders and gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how they did it. You'll get incredible tips and duplicable actions you can do right now to build your own four-year career. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's easy-to-use tools that will help propel your network marketing business to the next level at blissbusiness.com. Hey everybody, Richard Bliss Brook here for yet another hero interview, a network marketing hero that has crushed the four-year career. Today, we have the opportunity to interview Dr. Corey Gold from Longevity for hero call number 105. And Dr. Gold is in San Diego on the 30th floor of some one of those high rises overlooking the Coronado Bridge and all the beauty of San Diego, right where Longevity is based. Corporate headquarters isn't too far, so that's pretty sweet to be right where the company is based. I have looked forward for quite some time to interviewing uh, Corey because he is one of the most celebrated network marketing leaders in my community. I mean, people that have asked, hey, who should I interview in, in Longevity or who should I interview anywhere? And people that I really trust, people in Longevity, people outside of Longevity say, hey, you got to interview Corey Gold because this guy is the real deal leader. He's the hardest working, highest level servant leader we know in the organization, goes anywhere, does anything, doesn't ask these people to do anything he's not willing to do. And he's crushing it. And Corey and I were chatting a little bit before this interview just to catch up because we've never met. And but we have like some really interesting mutual friends and mutual history. And uh, he is a doctor. Uh, he's a dentist. And you know, for about 34 years, I owned a dental care network marketing company. We were talking about why is it we never work together? I guess I never yeah. got around to recruiting him. But Corey, welcome to the Hero Call. We're so excited to have you here today. Well, thank you for having me on your call. And yeah, I always thought that'd be a natural fit from what you were doing and what I was doing. It would have been great. Yeah. So first disclaimer for those of you that like disclaimers. In the Hero Call, we interview exceptional, extraordinary people. And you know, so we have to like put this disclaimer out there. We're not suggesting because of whatever Corey's done or he's going to do that all of you listening will do the same thing. We're, we interview extraordinary, exceptional people, people that defy the odds so that all of you listening can take whatever it is you want to accomplish. Maybe it's $500 a month. Maybe it's $1,000 a month. Maybe it's $5,000 a month whatever your vision and your goals are, if we interview really exceptional people on the Hero Call, our intention is for you to be able to map on your goals and be able to say to yourself, hey, if he can do that, I can do what I'm up to. 
as opposed to suggesting to all of you that you ought to take the path that Corey took and you ought to be the kind of leader that Corey is and you ought to build what he built. That's not the intention of the hero call. Of course, you know, if you're one of those rarefied air exceptional people with big vision and big courage, you can do what Corey did and, and is doing. But the point is, whatever you're looking to do, look, seek inspiration and belief from these people that we interview on the hero calls and that'll get you to your first level. And you know, you get to a thousand dollars a month and then you can decide what's next. So Corey, um, so excited to interview. You've got a lot of stories to tell. We got to dive in first of all. Okay, you were a dentist. Yeah. And so tell us where were you a dentist and what was it about dentistry that had you be looking or be open and then transition that right into this is a really important specific question. Who specifically? The name is not so important as the relationship. Yeah. Who specifically introduced you? I think your first company was New Skin. Yeah. Um, who introduced you to network marketing, and and what did they say that got your attention? I my office was in a suburb of Los Angeles, and I started working with family members who were dentists. In fact, I think that I went to dentistry for the same reason that a lot of people go into certain professions because they kind of were steered that way by the people in their family, and. The people I loved and admired were dentists. I had an aptitude for science, so I followed in their footsteps because it was what was shown to me every single day. They did well financially. They seemed to be happy people. They liked their profession, so I followed in. And then once you get in, you realize that you have to do what they're doing. It's different looking at someone else versus doing what they do. And I, I couldn't see myself doing dentistry for the rest of my life. I could do it. I did a nice job. I, I had a good practice, but I, I couldn't say I look forward to going to work every single day as a dentist. And you asked the question about who introduced me and who introduced me to network marketing. First off, I got introduced many times to network marketing and said no. And I would say that a lot of doctors and lawyers and people who think that they're in great jobs say no a lot without really thinking through the question because they look at it as a demotion in their higher, the social hierarchy of their lives. And to this day, even though I don't know of any other doctors who probably do what I do or dentists who make what I make, I still think they think that like, oh my God, I can't believe you made that decision. Right. But that's okay, that's their challenge, not mine. Um, I got introduced to it by another dentist, a dentist who I actually have a lot of admiration for, and a dentist who was well known in the dental community and I think he could talk to me in a way because he related to what my day-to-day -day was. He knew me, so he understood my frustrations. He understood the challenges that I had on a day-to-day -day basis of running an office. And he kind of said, do you really love that? And I said, I, I really don't love all those challenges of running my office. And he says, well, what are you going to do about it? And I didn't have an answer at all. And he said, well, let's talk. Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's sit down. I'm going to be in your city next week. Let's see if there might be something we could do together that might work for you. And that was like 28 years ago when it was the best copy I ever had. <laughs> awesome. So what was it about when he showed you uh, network marketing? What was it about the model or um, what was it that really caught your attention that registered with you that had you say, 
I can do this and this is a better way to build wealth, create an income than dentistry. Well, I didn't say yes to him that day. I did get excited at the conversation, but then a lot of my programming came back in to say, I need to think about this. It wasn't the financial buying of a you know, $500 kit or whatever it was. It was the concept, am I really going to do this? And what would my friends, relatives, and people I know think? What would my colleagues think? And it took me a couple days, and I remember waking up in the middle of the night, and I woke my wife up, and I said, we're going to be millionaires. Of course, <laughs> I, had, I had no idea what that all meant. And she goes, well, that's great. How? And I said, network marketing. And she hit me. And she says, go back to sleep and stop talking stupid things. And I said, no, it's all in my head. I see it clearly now. There's lots of people out there. And if I tell them what I'm excited about, some will say yes to me. And I think I could do this. And my wife, being an amazing woman, said, fantastic. Nicest thing about that whole relationship and the whole beginning was I didn't feel a need that I had to be successful day one because I went to my office and it paid the bills. So I could go out and do network marketing at a professional level that I felt comfortable being in network marketing. I can make a presentation that I felt should be made and it could have balance to it. As you talk about, like you, like you say, the four year career, it would really tell people that they would have to work for a long period of time to have what they want to have. So I think the people that joined with me were a little bit more prepared for the journey we were about to take together. And it wasn't the product we were going to sell. It was on a little bit was about, let's go take a journey. Let's do something awesome. Let's go, you know, kick butt and take names and let's reinvent ourselves and do something very awesome again. We haven't done that for a long time. Let's go do that. And a lot of them said, a few did, said, let's go do that. And it was wow. some of the people who joined with me at the very beginning are still some of the very best friends I have. And we did well together. Yeah, well, you just really nailed something right there, Corey, about the way that you cast the vision wasn't about the company, it wasn't about the products, wasn't about the comp plan. It was about, hey, let's do something extraordinary with our lives. Let's, let's have a breakthrough. Let's disrupt the timeline, you know, of our life. Let's like spike it and do something crazy. And that's, that's a gift and an extraordinary insight that you had to be speaking that way to people as opposed to, hey, let's sell this product or let's manipulate this comp plan or, or whatever. That's brilliant stuff. Well, I wouldn't have known how to manipulate a comp plan and I was never taught how to manipulate a comp plan. Um, I had to learn all those horrible things later, you know, when everybody tells you their strategies and they sit down with you, tell you their strategies of how to build a business. What I had going for me was something I called reinventing myself. And I was just so excited about it that people were excited about my excitement. I say the first guy I recruited was the worst networker in the world, yet he became kind of did well with me because he had such great relationships that he would say, you've got to hear what this guy has to say. I can't even tell you about it. I don't really understand it, but he had such good relationships with people. They come to me and they go, I don't even know why I'm talking to you, but Erwin says I should chat with you about something. What the heck is it about? I said, oh, he wants you to talk with me about this because he's so excited about it. In fact, he thought the company, the first time he got a check, he thought the name on the check was the wrong name. He didn't know how to spell new skin. He thought new should be N-E-W, and he didn't understand why you use an N-U. And it's okay. He was really excited about the opportunity to be like doing something new and exciting because once you get past a certain age, people don't really have exciting things that they do anymore. And this was an exciting thing to do. Yeah, beautiful. So 
Um, you know, the part I want to get to in your career is, well, I want to, I want to hear about your build in New Skin, but th then you had this brilliant insight to start your own company. <laughs> and, you know, I want to talk about like what happened there because you and I are, are on a, a similar path there. So how long were you with New Skin? And, you know, tell me about like what you did there and what happened. Funny thing about New Skin is I, I love being in New Skin. I, in fact, I actually enjoyed all the companies I was with and I, and I did well there. And I started by talking to other dentists about a dental line of products that they had. And that's where my initial build was in that warm market of mine, which is other fellow doctors. And then I realized that they all have wives who want cosmetics and they have, you know, neighbors who don't even know what dentistry is. And we built out from there. I was given horrible advice by somebody that I love to go look at a startup company because my parents knew the owners of a startup company. They were very wow. good friends with them. And my dad said, you should go start the startup, go in the startup company. And I left New Skin. And if I hadn't had that advice, I'd probably still be there 28 years later. But my dad had a lot of influence on me. He told me to join the startup company. And I did it for all the wrong reasons. Because I did it because it wasn't because my upline were bad. I had Mark Yarnell, one of the best of the best of the best of the best. It wasn't that I wasn't making money. I was influenced by the wrong. My dad's the right guy. He gave me bad advice. And I went to this other company and I did well there, but I shouldn't have left my first company. There was no what? reason to leave that company. What was the name of the startup? It's called Horizon Quest Marketing. <laughs> yeah, you know it, huh? You know the people. I'm not going to talk about their names now. We, we can do that off air. But what's funny is that I got introduced to this product line that has been with me now all the way into Longevity. Because at some point later, I actually bought that product line and brought it to Longevity because I actually fell in love with that product line. I was their number one distributor. And sometimes being the number one distributor of a small thing is not as good as being number 100 in a billion dollar company. I was much no, better off for being sure, right. a billion dollar company. But I went to a company called Horizon Quest Marketing and uh, that was my first big mistake. But I'm telling you, it led to good things later, but I couldn't see them coming. Yeah, everything for a reason for sure. But I think there's, you know, there's a really good lesson and not that where you are now is not a beautiful place. It certainly is. Um, but, you know, I, I wrote a blog a few years ago uh, after interviewing about 50 network marketers that they were looking for a new home. So they came to me because I owned my own company at that time. And I spent about a month. They'd fly in and I'd interview them and they were all kind of career network marketers and they'd been around for between 10 and 30 years. And so I asked them all like, okay, what was your last company? And what was the company before that? And what was the company before that? And they all had this story of going from company to company to company. And out of 50 people, Corey, 47 of them got their start in a network marketing company that they left. But at the time that I was interviewing him, that old stodgy network marketing company that stumbled or had bad PR or backordered product or whatever, it was like five to 10 times bigger than when they left. And they'd been through like five to 10 startups since then. And here they are sitting in front of me looking for a home. So the thing that you and I were talking about before this interview, I think could be really valuable for people. And that is, I mean, every billion dollar company was once a startup. So 
I'm not against startups. You know, you got to have some moxie and some courage and a high, like, risk tolerance to join one. But I think what would be valuable for people is to understand the stats. Like, the network marketing industry has been around for about 70 years. And if you ask, we don't actually know how many, but if you ask how many network marketing companies have started, you know, between 70 and 65 years ago, so how many of them are five years or older, if you ask how many companies have launched, it's in the tens of thousands. And how many companies have been in business more than five years today? You know, it's a couple of hundred. And yeah. so the odds are just crazy odds for people to, to take that risk. And, but you went and did it. You, you became a startup. So tell us about the thoughts around launching your own company. It goes back to Horizon Quest, the company that I was a distributor in, and they had a line of products that my wife and I fell in love with. That company was going out of business. I wasn't with them at that point because of some issues they had that were, we put them out of business. And my wife said, go, go get that line of products and let's do something with it because we believe in the products. And there's, an, there's a saying that I say, if you want to become a millionaire, becoming a network marketing owner, start with five or six million, because at the end you'll have a million maybe, because you've lost all the other stuff. <laughs> and, uh, it, and it's the truth, it's, it's just the way it is. Um, we had a great line of products that we're, we were in love with, and we started with a nice group of people. And I will say that we had the worst of all possible outcomes. We didn't become a big company, but we didn't go out of business. So we worked really hard and our distributors worked really hard and we never really got launch. I mean, we never got momentum, we never got big. We got, in, we got big enough to stay in business, which is a horrible place because the ownership isn't in making the money they want to make and the distributors aren't making the money they want to make. And at some point something had to change in that sequence. And I did talk to the remaining leaders that I had and said, we're not getting to where we want to go. We've all worked really hard. Something's got to change. And we talked about, you know, doing a big change. And that's what we did going to longevity. And not everybody came with us. I will tell you that the majority of the leadership said, sorry, this was one, wasn't what I signed up for. And we had to really start. I, I hate to say it. I had to start all over again. One good thing about me, I kind of like work. That's why we talked about earlier. I do Ironman triathlon. I'm not afraid of working really, really, really hard. And so going back to work without being the president of the company felt like, so nice because I didn't have to deal with all the company things. I could just do what I really love to do, which is build businesses and train and teach. And I could jettison all the things I didn't love doing, which was dealing with shipping and receiving and, you know, invoices and ingredients and people being sick and you know, where's missed packages. And I didn't have to deal with that. And I could go back to my happy space, as they say, which was sharing the business opportunity with people and showing them how to uh, you know, make a living and a life within longevity or the network marketing industry. Right. Well, yeah, kudos to you. I went through the same thing, as you know. I, I stayed in business for like 34 years, which was a lot of agony. I didn't end up with a million dollars. How'd you do that? Uh, <laughs> I didn't either. You didn't either. <laughs> uh, but, you know, smartest thing I ever did was sell to a very successful company. Probably the smartest thing you ever did was sell yeah. to a very... So we get to focus on the build. All right, so let's talk about... You started over. Most yeah. of your people didn't go. Yeah. And even the ones that did go, they're now they're in a totally foreign country. 
they don't speak the language, they don't speak the, you know, the comp plan, the culture's all different. So how long ago was that? And tell us about your build. Now, I know people listening may say, well, you know, he had a lot more experience than I have. And, you know, he already had a company. But I can tell you from experience, folks, starting over, you know, selling your company that is just barely alive to a bigger company and most of your people don't go with you, that, that's not a clean, fresh start. There's a lot of baggage there. There's a lot of, um, a lot of emotion around it. It's just starting over is not easy. So I just wanna manage the interpretation of this story. I wouldn't consider what you did, Corey, to be starting over as an advantage Sure, you had experience, but you'd already done this two or three times. And when you go from a company owner to a sales leader, I would say that's a disadvantage compared to all the people listening who perhaps you're in your first company. Let's hope you are. But even if you're not, you know, you got to go out and do the work. So what I want to talk to Corey about now is no, no matter what your story is, you're in your first company, you're in your 10th company. You got to do the work. And you got to do the work in the right company. Otherwise, the work doesn't pay off. What I want to focus on now, Corey, is the work. So what did you do? What did you do in your first year as a sales leader in Longevity? What did you do in your second year? What did you do in your third year? And I want people to understand the numbers, the work and the numbers, and then what exponential growth can produce from that work. So I want to talk about like what you've created. So first sure. of all, how long ago was that? That was 12 years ago. And I will tell you, it was the most exciting and scary period of my life because everything was changing. And all the best leaders that I had developed over many years had gone on to other places. And by the way, I didn't blame them at all. You know, people need to do what they need to do. And so it wasn't like I brought over a team of leaders at all. I wish I could say I did. My life would have been better. But the reality was I had to start completely from scratch again. And a lot of people say, well, aren't you the president of this company? What are you doing starting from scratch? And, and the reality was, is I just said, this is what I'm doing. It's, it, I thought it was easier to build my first company than to start at Longevity, not because of Longevity. My first company, I didn't know how hard it was going to be to get to the top. It's like before I, when I signed up to do my first Ironman race and my coach, I didn't know how much work it was every day. So it was like, I knew it was ahead of me. So every time I sign up for a new one, I know what I'm signing up for because now when I sign up for my next Ironman race, I go, okay, that means we're going to have to work a thousand hours in the gym, the pool, and the, on the treadmills and all these things over the next six months. And I'm, I'm agreeing to that thousand hours of work. The first time I didn't know how hard it was. And that's a blessing. Now, when I started over again, I go, I've got to be committed to starting over again. I can't ride on what I did in the past. No one cares. No one even cares at all. They don't. And to some degree, you know, the fact that my last company didn't do as well as I wanted to, people go, well, maybe you don't know as much as you, you know, we thought you did. <laughs> so we started over again with people who had never been in network marketing for the most part. We started with relatives and neighbors and people who within our community. And I felt like I had a clean shot with those people to start over again. And because there was no baggage to my past relationships, it was like starting fresh again. I'm not, I'm a person who has a very short memory, thank goodness. And so it didn't bother me to go back into the field and do what I started doing again. And I didn't rock it to the top. I think my first 
you asked me about my first 90 days. I think we brought in 21 people, not all more distributors. Some were just like family members who felt sorry for me, I think. And seriously, it's a truth. I mean, because yeah. people see like you're starting dead stop zero. You don't have a dental practice anymore. You don't own a company anymore. You got a family and you're starting over again. What are you selling? You selling Girl Scout cookies? I'll buy some from you. I hate to see you starting over again. And we worked really hard and my wife is just wonderful and she was very supportive. And the first year was a tough mental year because you weren't the great legend and you weren't this big earner and you weren't on stage getting all the awards. In fact, you were the guy in the back of the room. And it was a humbling experience that first year for sure. And I, and I think that was really very positive for me in the long run. So what did you do? Like you sponsored 21 people the first 90 days. Yeah. How many did you enroll the first year, if you remember? And, and you know, what, what people want to know, which is kind of a super broad question is, well, how did you do it, Corey? And I would break that question down into, who did you, who did you find and how did you find them? Because I think that's, for, for most people, if they get somebody who's interested, they can kind of figure out what to do. You know, if nothing else, get your sponsor on the phone or a Zoom, right? But, you know, the toughest part for people seems to be, well, yeah, I know people, but who do I talk to? And how do I find the right people to talk to? Could you address that? Like, maybe even some specific stories or philosophically, or maybe I'm a you know, brand new person that you just enrolled and you're gonna coach me, but I'm kind of looking at it from the standpoint of what, what did you do? Who did you find and how did you find them? I didn't run after top networkers right away because I needed to establish myself and before I could even talk to them. And by the way, I don't think I've ever signed up a quote unquote top networker in longevity, although I have top networkers underneath me, because that's the nature of this business where we I get credit for having these million dollar legs and things. And yes, once they're involved, we, we nurture and we become great friends with them. Uh, and yes, I did sign up one, the number fastest growing group, I signed up that one great leg, but that's been 12 years, right? But yeah. that one millions and millions of dollars. So that's a good- What did you do the first year? The people the you first, found the first year, people found the first, how'd you find them? It was easy for me. The people I found the first year, I never had a problem talking about pe to people about network marketing because I didn't really get worried if they said no to me. I never had that worry about it because I was kind of taught the, you know, the, the Fritos, don't worry, we'll make more. Doritos, don't worry, we'll make more concept. I kind of felt that if I talked to people with excitement and enthusiasm about something that might change their life, somebody might light up. So I did it over and over and over again. I talked to doctors, I talked to lawyers, I talked to people who I knew in my social circles, and I told everybody I know, you know, I'm starting over again. I, you're probably killing it in what you're doing as a lawyer or an accountant or whatever you're doing as a school teacher. You're probably loving life and you don't wanna make any extra money and you're, you're perfect as it is. I'm not trying to go after you. But if you know somebody's looking to earn some extra income or change their life, point in my, my way, because I right now I'm about to make my next big build and I'm looking for three or four good people who I can go with and I'm going to kick some butt, take some names, have some fun. And I'm looking for three or four people. So point them my way. And a number of people said, yeah, I'm that guy. You don't need to ask me to refer somebody. I'm referring me. And I said, 
well, that's fantastic. I always hoped you would say yes, but the reality is I know you're doing great at what you do. Just because somebody's making money doesn't mean they're happy at things. Right. For example, if I was a dentist the last two weeks of this year, my, I've had some real family issues going on with parents who are very old right now, and they're in their late 80s, early 90s. I couldn't have just left my practice for two weeks to handle that. Right. In network marketing, I could. And when people ask me a lot about, like, well, is the money the most important thing? Is the car the most important thing? Is the house the most important thing? And I was just telling them it was sleep. In other words, peace of mind that I knew that I could take care of my parents if I needed to, that I knew that if my kids needed me, I could, that if my sister needed something from me, I could give it to her. And that was to me the greatest gift I could have. Yes, if you can do those things, you can buy a car and you can have a nice home. But to me, it was being able to take care of people. And I think when we recruit and we only show the cars, I think a lot of people glaze over because that's not what motivates them. What motivates them is to take care of their mom. What motivates them is to be able to put their kid into college. What motivates them is to let their, to take their wife on a great vacation because she deserves it. What motivates them is to do have, to be able to help those they love or the church that they love. And when we only talk about cars and houses, people sometimes think we're pretty superficial and they are not superficial. So we got to talk to a deeper person. And if they want a car, they'll tell you, well, hey, with that kind of money, I could buy a great car. You can. And so the reality was, I think I talked to people's deeper want in life, which was to be a great son, to be a great mom or dad, to be able to take care of your household, to be the person who gave to church. And to me, that's what network marketing is, is to be able to have the flexibility, once you've worked hard enough, to be able to devote your time, energy to the things and people around you who need you. Yeah, beautiful. There's a, there is a recruiting uh, lesson extraordinaire right there. Find out what people want and don't assume they want what you want. Yeah. Um, and the only way you do that is ask a lot of questions and listen. And one of the things that I hear consistently from you, Corey, that is, I think, to a degree, a lost art in network marketing is you are, sounds like you always have been, or, but you've certainly developed the art of casting a compelling vision to people. Here's what I'm going to do. And it's, it's kind of the definition of leadership is cast a crystal clear vision with a high level of conviction and confidence. This is what I'm going to do. And this is how going with me could serve you. Like this is how we all win. And I'm going whether you go or not. So don't ever, don't make up a story that I need you. I don't need you. I want you, but I'm mm -hmm. going. And here's what going looks like. Extraordinary, breakthrough, disruptive. We're going to have some fun. We're going to kick some butt and take some names. We're going to make a lot of money. And maybe you know somebody, maybe it's you, but I'm going. Let me know. That's a yeah. great vision. That's super compelling. And that's the essence of leadership. And the, and the, the number one thing that people told me about you is – this guy is textbook, extraordinary, by the book, ace network marketing leader. He does everything you would ever want the best network marketing leader on the planet to do in terms of his vision, his motivation, his work ethic, his servant leadership, his 
you know, diving into people at a deeper level and finding out what's important to them and drawing it out. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of you to go around. So maybe there's a book or something <laughs> in your future, right? Mm -hmm. All right, so let's go back to your build. Yeah. Tell us more about the numbers, first year, second year, third year, fourth year. If you know, what I'm interested in always modeling for people is how many people did you personally enroll and what did that grow into? Because I, I'm kind of a stickler for the numbers, Corey, because I think almost all network marketers are delusional in thinking, I'm all for an empowering positive story but not one that's never going to come true. <laughs> and I think a lot of networkers are delusional thinking that as long as they try, as long as they don't quit, as long as they keep going to the meetings, as long as they personally enroll someone every once in a while, they're gonna end up with a nice big team. And I don't believe that's the case. Or if it is, you're a rare exception. So I really like to have people drill into knowing what are the numbers that are required to build a big team? What were your numbers? Well, I agree with you. Some people so much want to be part of a company that they think that just being in the company or going to the meetings or going to the conventions is doing the business. And while those things are important, I, I like meetings, I love conventions, that's the fun part. That's not the business part. That's, that's, that's kind of the reward excitement. Let's, let's go take a vacation weekend and go to our convention. The work is everything in between. I, I know people who literally live on conference calls, who memorize the ingredients, who are the smartest people in the company. If I need to ask a product question, I'd ask them and they have a group of zero, but they know more about the products than I do because they think that learning about the product ingredients is the business and that's how you grow your business. And what they're doing is they're avoiding getting into the business by telling themselves they're doing the business a different way. It's just not going to work for them. It's an avoidance technique. They feel like they're in the company. Um, my first year, we probably brought in 55 to 60 people. So we're bringing in five, six a month, which means we're bringing in one every few days. And I was trying to concentrate on bringing in people that I thought really want to do the business as opposed to people who I had to drag into it. Cause I could have dragged lots of people with me cause I knew them but they weren't showing me that they wanted to do the business. So I brought in about 50 to 60 that first year. And let's bookmark that, that you were full time, right? Yeah, that was, that was no exit strategy at that point. There was, that was full time. And it took a lot of control, not just to recruit everybody, because when you recruit somebody, that means you're putting effort and energy into that person. So if I had to drag him in, I'd probably have to drag him every single day. So I went and got people who I felt were super excited about getting reinventing themselves right now. It's like, let's, I don't care what you did in the last company that didn't work for you, didn't work for me, let's just do something legendary right now. And we had about 55, 60 new people that first year who I would say were distributors. Second year we did less, and that's only because we were growing an organization. I think we did 45 to 50 new people. And it's been right around 30, 35, 30 a year ever since then. Even this year, we probably recruited. I'm talking about distributors, not customers. Right. And so I think over the last 10 years or so, about 350 personals that we brought into this particular business, maybe a little bit more. 
and well, not that all of them are still active. Yeah. You launched with about 50 and then you settled into a pace of about 30, 35 a year. Yeah. So five or six a month and then three a month. And what has that team grown into exponentially? Distributors, customers, and sales. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you in straight terms because I could go back and say since 12 years ago, this is how many people have come in and it would look like the population of California, right? Because somebody bought a bottle one time in 2001 or something. And I, my definition of an active person is somebody who purchased in the last 90 days. If a distributor didn't purchase in the last 90 days, some will continue purchasing, but most of them, they're not with us today. They're doing something else or doing nothing at all. So I think right now my organization does about $60 million a year and we probably have 70,000 buying people every single month, a blend of about 20,000 who call themselves distributors and maybe about 50,000 who call themselves customers. And that's over a 90 day period of time who buy. Some buy every day month in that period of time, some buy once or twice. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. And it's, it's hard also for people to understand that a lot of people who join you aren't going to be with you five or six years later. And it's not because you're not great. And it's not because they're not great. I could get Richard very excited today about doing Ironman Texas with me in, a in April. And he would say, I'm going to do it with you. And he would train for two or three weeks and then say, I, I don't think this is for me. I don't like swimming two hours at a time. This is, I got into the wrong thing. It's not that it's not good. It's just not for me. And it's not that Richard isn't great. And it's not that Ironman's not great. It's the two of them aren't great together on that day. So a lot of people come and enter network marketing and buy a product and leave. A lot of people come to network marketing and try the business and for whatever reason find it's not their time or timing for them. And it's not an indictment of the industry at all. It's the opportunity we give everybody to look and find if it's the right opportunity for them. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Um, all right, this is kind of a classic question I ask people. Um, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made in your network marketing career? And it could be a one-time blunder. It also could be a bad habit. So something you've done over and over and over again and not necessarily cost you money. Maybe it did, but maybe it cost you health, relationship, integrity. What's the biggest mistake you've ever made? Biggest mistake I see people making that my mom would not let me make is buying into the hype of because you have a big organization that somehow makes you a great person or, or that, that somehow you're now like famous or you know everything in the world um, or you're a rock star of some sort. So I, my mom beat that out of me and I'm thrilled that she did. That would be the biggest mistake I've seen other people do in my industry where they start believing everything that's said about them and they start thinking that they're, they walk on water when in reality they're just people who've learned a system and are passing it on and are enjoying the process. I think the biggest mistakes I've made is when I stop appreciating people in my downline. I don't stop. I just don't show it. I think they know it because I think it. And my wife is usually the person who reminds me, like, I haven't seen you sending gifts out. I haven't heard you make those appreciation cards. Um, I haven't seen you writing thank you notes to people. And it's like, oh, I'm just tired. And it's kind of like when you become too tired to thank the people who deserve to be thought thanked. When Mark Yarnell used to write me a thank you note, it was like, like, I thought like, you know, the president of the United States wrote me a thank you note and I put it on the wall and I, if there was a Facebook post back then. I probably would have done it. 
But um, I know how important that is to people. And when I start getting lazy, my wife reminds me, your business is all those people. You don't sell that much yourself, Corey. So you better start thanking those people for all the hard work they do. And um, she reminds me, and she's really good at that. And she's the one who asks me, hey, I don't see the packages. Where are they? I send them out for you. You haven't done that for a while. So she's good at keeping me on track. I think the biggest thing that we can think is that we sell all the products, and our team is just like lucky to be part of us. And it's the <laughs> our team sells all the product, and we're kind of lucky to be on where we are. And being yeah. an upline is a big responsibility if done right. There are many, many people in my upline who I've never met, and if I ran into them, I wouldn't know who they are. There are about two or three people in my upline who have been like amazingly, like I talk to them five times a day and those are my support team. And they're not all my closest upline. They're just the people who are the best upline. And there are people in my upline who quite frankly are earning, earning income for not doing the job. Right. And then there's Tom Chenault who the best of the best, right? Tom is, when you have Tom in your upline, it's like having a, a circus in your upline every day because, it, and by the way, I like that. I think Tom will tell you I'm the most honest with him of everybody. So when he, when he goes off reservation, I'm the one who'll tell him. Um, and uh, we have a great time together. And I think he looks at me as like, okay, so you're kind of the longevity barometer. So how did that land? Because you know, he says, I'm, you know, I'm probably the, he's the most known person in longevity. I might be the most trusted person in longevity. How did that land across the field? And uh, it, it's, we have those discussions all the time. Where's the field thinking? How are they, what's their mood? What's going on? What do we need to fill? He, he's, he's awesome. He's an amazing guy. He is one of those people that you enjoy getting a phone call from or a text from. And he, no one tells a better story about things in life than Tom Chenault. Yeah, he's. He's a treasure for sure. All right, what's the smartest thing you've ever done? Not giving up when I really felt like giving up. Um, I've always been a person who, when I think I should do something, kind of says, I think I should wait and not pull the trigger on that and give myself a month or two because just because I'm not feeling it in the moment doesn't mean that I'm not going to feel it. So don't act on my just my gut reaction when – Prohobo was having its issues and we first got to longevity. Everything felt not great to me. And my initial reaction was maybe I should try something different. And I stuck through it. So I think the thing is when you're not feeling it and you don't know what's going to work for you, don't go off that gut reaction because it's just an emotion you're having the time based on disappointment or an emotion you're having based upon like a dream that you had being gone. But it doesn't mean you can't have a new dream in the same space. And I think the biggest thing that helped me out of that was uh, people in my life who said, Corey, we've never seen you happier in your life than when you're building a network marketing business. That's what you're, that's what you're built to do. So go back there and the people will follow you because you bring out good in people. So go do that. Do you have, um, like, if I'm a new person on your team, somebody that you just are personally starting, do you have, uh, like, three or four or five hardcore um, philosophies or strategies or must do's. Like, do you have anything like that that you would share with everybody listening? Well, first off, one of the first things I do when we start doing our first planning session, this is for somebody who wants to build a business, not somebody who just wants to buy product or somebody who just says, 
you know, I'm in, and if I make $100 a month, I'm happy. This is where somebody says, I, I want to get serious about this business. I want to do something big here. When we're doing our first planning session and we're trying to set goals, I remember my first planning session with Mark Yarnell, and I remember the number I wrote down for how much I was going to make my first year, and he must have laughed his tush off when I wrote it down, but he was probably happy to see it. It was a big number. There was no way I was going to get to it, but he knew that I had a big vision. Um, I have something called an agreement conversation. And an agreement conversation goes something like this. I say, Richard, you know, when I sign somebody up, I want to know how to communicate with them because I want to make sure that we're always talking in a way that we're having a two-way conversation that's wanted. And so I need to know, are you the kind of person that no matter what you do and how badly you do at it and any mistake you make, I just give you a big hug, tell you how awesome you are, tell you that I love you, and just say, I can't wait to see you next Tuesday at the next event? Or are you the kind of person who says, listen, Richard, we sat down, made a game plan, you know I love you, but you're off track left or you're off track right. Can we talk about getting you back on center line? So how do you want me to treat you? Do you want me to just let you go on your own or do you want me to coach you back to the center line? And it's up to that person to decide. A good number of the leaders want to be coached back to center line and now they've given you permission to do it. And when I talk to them, I say, listen, I know you're working very hard, but I think you've tacked left or you've tacked right too far. Can we get back on main course towards center line? Let's talk about your numbers. Let's talk about what you're actually doing. Let's get back to what you can do on a day-to-day -day basis to get what you want. I only feel I can do that with them because they've given me permission to do it. Right. Second thing is, I believe that whenever I talk to somebody who's, a lot of people get in with big enthusiasm and then a month or two later, reality sets in that it's going to be harder than they thought. They think that, they're going to be instant rock stars because they have a, in their head, they, they understand the products and, the, and everybody understood what they understood. They you know, everybody joined. And, you know, when they're having a struggle, instead of calling them up and saying something like, Hey, Richard, you know, I'm so angry at you. You said you'd come to the last four meetings and you never come. And you say you're going to do three-way calls with me and you never do. And you asked me to go to Starbucks and meet you there, but you didn't show up. And I just, and now I'm setting up this conflict with you because I'm angry. Uh, I'd probably call you up and say, hey, Richard, I want to apologize to you. And you'd say, why? And I'd say, listen, I think that you told me all these great plans and you told me all these exciting things you wanted to do because you got me excited and you liked seeing me excited. And I don't really think that that's what you want because your actions aren't doing that. So let's reframe. I mean, tell me what's going on with you. What do you really want? I want to give you what you want. And if you just want to be a great customer and just use the products, God bless you. And if that's all, you know, if you said, yes, that's all I want, I'd say, my bad, I should have seen it coming. You stay in the business, you buy your products, and if you ever run across somebody, bring them my way, and I'll be happy to talk to them. And if you say, no, Corey, it's been bad on me, my mom's sick, like my mom's been sick recently, I'd say, I'm the worst upline in the entire world. How did I not know your mom was sick? I am like so disgusted with myself, I cannot tell you, Richard. I'm a bad guy. What can I do to help you and your mom? Can I call somebody for you? What do you need? And through that, the people who want to come back can come back. And through that, the people who want to run away can run away. But funny thing is, they eventually find somebody who wants to do the business and they feel it's okay to call me because I wasn't that jerk who vented my frustration on them. Yeah, it's, uh, it kind of reminds me of the marriage concept of 100% responsibility, 100% responsibility. As long as we take 100% responsibility, for what our team is doing. That means we always have to be looking at 
you know, what could we do different? And then you kind of combine that with the, the philosophy of allowing people to save face. Um, there's, you know, there's huge gold in that. And instead of coming from blame and anger, which boy, I've, I've done that a lot in my career. If we come from um, 100% responsibility and allowing people to save face and empowerment, beautiful things happen. Those are great. You got a last one? <laughs> I, I think the thing I always do with people is one of, my, one of my favorite tricks that I was taught by Mark Aaron, now it's not a trick. It's not a trick at all. It's, it's something to do is when somebody signs up their very first person that I've enrolled, I will write them a personal handwritten note congratulating them on signing up their first person, saying it's the hardest one they're ever going to sign. And since they've done it once, I know they can do it again and again and that I'm very proud of them for doing what most people don't do, which is start. And so I still write those handwritten notes today to any of my personals on their first sign up. And it, I can tell you that people come back to me who are like five-star ambassadors in my company. Like I still have your note when I signed up my first person. And it's, it, it reminds me that that was important to them because when my upline used to write to me, it was a big deal. It was, it was a bigger deal to me that Mark or a top leader would write to me than the company because the company just spits out a list and just writes these generic letters. Right. When Mark read a handwritten note to me, it was like, oh my God, Mark's really following my progress. I better kick it because he's watching me and he's rooting for me and I want to make him proud. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah, Mark, you know, he was just a great, great treasure. I just, uh, his wife just sent me uh, a couple days ago a photo uh, of he and I. He took me... Um, paragliding for the for so I could check that box in my life and uh, he was just a fascinating one of the most articulate most powerful most heartfelt leaders in our profession rest in peace Mark Garnell so um, Corey tell us this so you got a big team you're making a boatload of money uh, things are growing What's next for you? What's your vision for the next three to five years? What, what motivates you? What are you going for? What's fun is when I, you know, I, you know, you know, we mentioned Tom earlier, Tom Chenault has a radio show. And when Tom interviewed me on his radio show, like when I first joined Young Jebby 12 years ago, he said, well, when you become rich and famous, what are you going to buy? And I said, a bike. And he said, what do you mean a bike? Like a Harley? I said, no, like a Schwinn. And I said, I, I said, eventually I want to go back and do Ironman racing. So at age 55, I started doing these 140 mile races and there's nothing, I felt nothing as more fun in my life than going back. I had not swim, swam a single lap since seventh grade. Now I swim these crazy 2.5 five mile races and bike 112 miles and run marathons all in the same day. And I found that I love going back and learning something new. I learned I always tell people, I'm a beginner here, and it's so exciting to be a beginner here. It's so exciting to get coaching on things I don't understand. It's exciting being in the back of the pack and getting better. It's exciting being part of a team. And that's just kind of that same energy I get from network marketing, which is that self-development in an area where you don't know. And it's like restarting again. So for me, I, I want to go to Kona eventually and run Ironman uh, Kona, the world championships. Wow. I'm, doing North I'm doing North American championships in three months from now, and I'm going to have like hundreds of my young Jebby distributors out there, which is awful because now I have to be good. Well, I'm never going to be good. 
I'm just not, I want to finish, right? Hey, I want to finish, finishing is exceptional, right? I can't, it's hard for me to imagine it. I've done it four times now. In, in network marketing, I kind of feel that the next step for me is getting my top, top, top leaders to where I am. And if you're in this industry and you don't care about what the checks and ranks are of your people because you're doing really good, you're not going to do very well very long. Because if your people below you are not, they're not in the business so you can have a great rank and they're not in the business so you can have a great check. They're in the business because they like a great rank and they like a great check. And if you're not helping them get that, then they don't even like you. Because the reality right. is some leaders keep people down because they go, well, I don't want anybody else to be this rank like me because you know, then I'm not the only one. That's silly. The reality is, is I want my kids, I bragged on them earlier, both becoming attorneys this, this year. I want my kids to be spectacular. And I look at my downline, they're not as children, but as people that I care about, like in my family, and I want them right. to be spectacular. I want them to be black diamond ambassadors. I want them to reach high levels. That will automatically move my money and rank up. But the reality is, is that I'm not doing my job unless some of them are actually circling the bases and having uh, some success. So I've circled a few people in my organization that it's important to me that they kind of hit that big home run for them because they have it, they have the skills and they have the talent and they're just a little bit of belief away from getting there. Yeah, Zig Ziglar may have said it best. We can get everything in life we want. We help enough other people get what they want. And in, in network marketing, the, the rank advancement philosophy extraordinaire is not for us to focus on our rank, but to ask who's in our family, who's on our team that is ready to rank up and take them on. And when you take enough people on to get what they want in terms of their rank and their income, you know, our rank, our income is just taken care of. And it doesn't matter what it is, but It'll, it'll keep growing and it'll be awesome if we focus on other people's accomplishments. Yeah. Or you, you have been a treasure. Um, I have one last question for you as we wrap this up. It's your opportunity to strap it on me in a, in a minute or two. I want you to imagine that I'm out there, you know, most people listening to a hero call are not making five or 50 grand a month. They're, right. they're making five or 500. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out how do I become one of these people? How do I see the light? How do I, how do I get those first five or six people in the business? How do I shift who I'm being so that I can be doing like, where's the magic? If, if you were the last person on the planet, Corey, to speak to me, yeah. like if I'm going to make it in network marketing, what you say in the next two minutes, that's the last thing I'm ever going to hear. It's either going to do it for me or I'm going to keep struggling. What would you say to me? <laughs> you're, 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 you're screwed, Richard. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Richard's going to be selling cars next week. Uh, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, I, I think the thing I would tell you is people are joining you, not the company, not the products, not the industry. And if they're not joining with you, right, if they're not joining your organization right now, it's because they're not joining you and you need to work on you because if they knew you the way I know you, they'd want to join. 
So you have to learn how to be yourself and be enthusiastic and, and show people why you're in this industry and why you want them to be in this industry and tell them that you're willing to lock arms with them to get them to where they want to go. People don't join network marketing because they want more friends. People join network marketing because they're looking for leadership. And one of the biggest mistakes we make in network marketing is acting like all our network marketing people underneath us are our friends. They may become our friends, but what they want you to be is their leader. They want you to tell them how to get to what they have, what they want to have. So if you're not having the success right now, Richard, with your team, it's because you haven't showed them how to get what they want to get. You haven't showed them what energy, what attitude, what, what traits, what kind of daily activities that they need to do to get to where they want to go or they don't believe it with you. There's a simple formula. I'll give you the formula. You can use it in anything in life. I've made it up. It's called ATP equals, in this case, dollar sign, success. Attitude times time times productive activity equals success. So if you have the right attitude and you're putting the time, then you're not doing productive things. And if you're doing productive things and you're putting the time, then your attitude must suck because people aren't joining you because they just don't believe it on you. You're telling them the right words, but you're not giving them the right feeling. And most of the time, what I find is it's the attitude that people just don't admit that, that they really join with me because there's something here for you. You're giving me a company speech. You're reading me a brochure, but I don't believe like you really feel like you can take me someplace. What I want to do is like I did in high school on football day, on Friday, I want to get behind a piece of butcher paper and run out with my teammates and run through that paper and feel like we're going to take on the world. And I need you to bring that to me. I want you to make me feel like I can have something special in my life with this company, these products, and, your, and you as a mentor that I can get there. And if you bring those things to me, I'll get there. All right. I got it. Then I got to ask a follow-up question. I don't have a lot of confidence. I have a lot of doubt. I hear you about my attitude and my mm -hmm. leadership. I hear you that I've got to become that. How? How do I work on me? What specifically would you assign me to do? that I could grow my attitude, my leadership, my moxie, so people would yeah. want to join me. Believe it or not, that was my problem at the beginning. I did not have a personal belief system that I deserved a lot, and I did not think I would ever be a top network marketing leader. It's true. And I tell them that. It's true. And I went to all kinds of seminars. I read all kinds of books. I did all kinds of self-improvement things. I even went to things in Texas and around the country to try to work on me because that's where I needed to work on more than them. I need to work on me. So I would spend time every single day reading the best books on self-development and believing that they are valuable and worthwhile. And I would spend time, we spend time in our organization, probably 90% of our time trying to build people's personal belief system. Sometimes people, even this weekend, we did a big event with three or 400 people and people are saying, why do you spend all your time talking about belief systems? Why do you talk all about your time? I, I talked about Iron Man so much, but I, like, I had to overcome all those belief systems that in my mind didn't work, but I had such great coaches that told me, we will teach you how to get there. You just have to follow the plan, do what we tell you to do. We would be working on that. We'd be working on the hardest six inches of your career, which is between your ears, 90% of the time. And it's my job to try to tell you that I love you and I believe in you and what you're feeling about your personal worth was put there by other people. And it's not true. I wrote a book about that. Maybe people could read. It's called Mach 2. Hair on fire. Yeah. I know. And by the way, I said those things help because people have to, 
they can't see it until they see it through somebody else's journey or somebody else's words. And your words are very powerful and other people's words are very powerful. And eventually people will start engaging in it if they really truly want to. But it takes, it takes continual effort. It's not like something that ever goes away. That voice is in the back of their head. They do have to work on it every single day. Yep. Corey Gold, you're a treasure. What a, a substance-laden interview uh, kind of thing people ought to listen to three or four or five times, take some great notes. I love attitude times time times productivity equals success. You're missing any one of those. A times T times P equals S. If you're missing any one of those, you're going to not even limp across the finish line. Thank you, Corey. Beautiful stuff. Thank you, Richard. Fun being here. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you all. Over and out. Until next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. If you are inspired and are ready to create your own success story, then it is time to take advantage of some of the top network marketing tools available. Pick up the top recruiting tool that has prospects saying yes the four-year career and the four-year career for women. Get your mindset right. Without a clear vision, success is lost. Check out the best-selling book on vision, Mach 2 with your hair on fire. Learn to think like a successful person with this step-by-step -step guide on how to break through your self-imposed limitations. Mach 2 Vision Training is a 90-minute four-part video training where you get Richard to walk you through crafting your vision. It's a must for anyone looking to step outside the box and hit the ground running. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. This success story is not typical. It is meant to inspire you and show you what's possible. It is not what you should expect to accomplish. Your income will depend entirely on you, your commitment, your work ethic, your leadership, and your ability to acquire customers and inspire sales leaders to join your team. Most people who start off intending to build a sales team do not maintain their motivation to continue.